0: bow our heads for a word of prayer our eternal heavenly father we bow before you this morning in the name of jesus we come before you and thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together with fellow saints to look into your word to learn and grow in you i just pray that your spirit would move among us this morning encourage us challenge us in our hearts that we might be encouraged to continue on this walk of life i just pray you'd bless brother mel as he shared with us what you've laid on his heart Just pray this on the name of jesus amen greetings in jesus name and welcome to each one this morning it's good to be here i was really blessed so far um The service so far, devotions, Sunday school, uh, truly been a blessing to be there. I also want to take this time to thank you as a congregation for the love that you've expressed through the cards, family pictures, and gifts over the past month. God has been very good to me, and I want to thank you for your part of that in my life. God bless you for that. This morning's message is uh, uh, a bit of a scary one, no, no, I don't really mean it that way, uh, sobering I guess you would say, the second coming, and obviously uh, thinking of the second coming of our Lord, the second coming uh, <clears throat> says that there was a first coming, which yes, we just celebrated that a month ago. But this is his second coming in the future. Hasn't happened yet. (coughs) It will happen. We don't know when. It looks like it's getting close. It is getting close. But no reason to relax and let down your guard. We do have the promise of a soon return, and we're going to be looking into that. (coughs) This is a broad subject, and I'm not going to give you very specifics on the timeline. You can figure that out on your own if you need to. But I think we've been given up in scripture to uh, give us some good hope and direction as to how to proceed during this time in which we live. We're living in a crazy time, in a weird time, in, a, I think scripture calls it even dangerous times. Um. Dangerous in a sense that um, we can be lulled to sleep, if you will. We can kind of relax and, oh, yeah, they've been saying this for 2,000 years already. It hasn't happened. Well, we're 2,000 years closer, put it that way. And so um, that's, in, in a sense, I guess that's uh, the, the, the um, sense of danger that I see, that we can kind of be, uh, get into our routine, our groove. And just think that life will always go on like it has. But let's turn for a text to First, Thessalon- First Thessalonians chapter four. Begin reading in verse uh, thirteen. This is this is uh, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna read the beginning of the chapter. Begin he, he starts the beginning of the chapter with an exhortation or a call to holy living and. Uh, which certainly is, is for us as well today. But I'm going to start reading in, in verse 13 of this chapter. Now, just a bit of a background here. The, it's thought that the, in, in Paul's day, the pagans had no hope after death, and, and there was no word of assurance of a happy afterlife. They were like, just get me out of here and I'll be done. That was sort of their mindset, and and, and Paul is addressing this this, uh, heresy. And so here we have these believers in Thessalonica who were concerned about their loved ones. What about the ones that passed on before us? Um, What happens to them when the Lord returns? Or will those who are deceased be handicapped in some way? Maybe those of us who are alive have an advantage over those who have passed on. These are all questions that Paul addresses here in this reading. But I want you to notice as we read this, there's also a note of encouragement and comfort. We don't need to be scared. We can comfort one another and we can take comfort in these, in the time that we're living in, knowing that uh, in spite of the unanswered questions, there certainly is an assurance and a very lively hope for us in the time that which we live. Let's read 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse uh, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I'm going to be reading the chapter 5 a little bit later, but I think we'll leave that for now. But as we see here, there is words of comfort and encouragement in in this reading. Um, You know, we're, we're we're, we're living in a time when uh, there certainly is reason to fear if your hope is only here, and it would be interesting to hear your interpretation of this event. What do you expect is going to happen? How do you think this will take place? Maybe that's not important, Um, or even how often do we think about this? I had to think of a older brother who I was speaking with one time, and he was making reference to some major purchase that he bought, and thought surely that this would last till the second coming. You know, do we have a second coming perspective in our uh, purchases, in our decisions, in our, our lifestyle? And I think it would do us well to, to uh, think about that more. Uh, you buy, say, a car, and most of us would probably need a car until we are too old enough, too old to drive. But will your car take you to the second coming? Is that something you think about? Should we think about that? The house that you live in, will that serve you till the second coming? It's not important, but it does. I think it's something that, that would do us well to have that perspective, <coughs> to keep that in mind. Because um, certainly... There is, (coughs) there will be things that you may have just purchased a new car and this happens, then what? Or whatever that may be. But I think it's still something that that, um, would do us well to think more of as we live our life, as we make purchases, as we make decisions in light of the second coming. Luke 21, 28 says, and when these things, and this is in the context of these things that the end, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And I'd like to have us keep that in the forefront of our minds. Our redemption is drawing nigh. It is getting closer. <coughs> Let's go back to the text here, 1 Thessalonians 4. The first couple of verses that we read, he's addressing the hopeless grief that these people obviously were dealing with. Uh, grief is an expression of our love, but we need not grieve hopelessly like there is nothing beyond here. Uh, Jesus Christ is the first fruit of those who slept. Scripture tells us that. And we have it here. He will bring those with him who's gone on before us. We have God's word on that. verse fifteen. Um, we have and i want to I want to just make a quick reference to to First Corinthians fifteen. A few verses I want to read there. This is again Paul's writing. Uh, uh, this was Turn with me to first Corinthians fifteen I'm going to read this is a big long chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a couple of verses near the end that I want to look at, and Paul again. Uses some of the same language in these couple of verses here. He's referring to a, a mystery that was revealed to him. Now, <clears throat> I can't understand how else Paul would have come up with some of these uh, thoughts or ideas, except a direct revelation from God. Because they had, uh, there was no Old Testament law or writing that would have that would have given these details but he's referring to a mystery. Now, Scripture uses that word quite a bit, speaks of these mysteries. Um, there was a time when the disciples asked Jesus, why do you teach in parables? He would tell the crowd the parable, and then after the crowd dispersed or sometime later, they would ask him, now, what did this mean? Remember the one about the the sower sowed the seed? Um he told the crowd this whole parable and later explained it to his disciples, every type of ground or soil. This was a mystery. Jesus said, It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And, and I, I think there's some value in that. We have the Holy Spirit within us that does teach us truth, in many cases, opens our minds to the truth and reveals other scriptures that might point that. I just want you to keep that in mind as we read some of these verses, speaking of the mysteries, and also the fact that we as believers have a bit of an edge in that, in that way, because the world she's only here and now, and after this life, I'm not sure what most people expect will going to happen, but this will be a real mystery to them because they have no clue what's coming. Let's read here in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, I'm going to start reading in fifty-one, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be tra- changed. For this, in, For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so this, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory o death where is thy sting o grave where is thy victory <clears throat> and i think this is sort of the same thought that Paul is bringing out here to the Thessalonica church they, they looked at the, the, the grave or death as a sting, the, the end. But he's saying their death and the grave is not victorious over us. It doesn't need to be and it shouldn't be. Back to these couple of verses here in 1 in Thessalonians. I like the, the pronoun we that he uses in verse 15. But verse 15, take a look at that. For this we say unto you by the word that we which are alive and remain, we, he's including himself. Doesn't it sort of look like he's maybe expecting to live till Christ's return? It looks that way. Now that was maybe two thousand years ago, give or take a few years. And we're still here. And I think it would do us well to also maybe use that pronoun in reference to this. But it seemed like Paul expected to be alive at Christ's return. And obviously, he's not. And here we are. But the thought that is brought out is his imminent return. Imminent meaning happening soon. Anytime. It could happen anytime his return is imminent. He makes reference to those that who died as they're sleeping. You know, Jesus also used this term in John 11 when he raised Lazarus. Um, I'm not going to turn to that, but we know that when when he came to the tomb, made reference to Lazarus sleeping. Now, not to minimize the effect of death in the grave because we all know that our cemetery has got lots of people that are more than asleep. Their body is obviously decomposing and returning to the earth and to the dust as they, we were all created. But the, the, uh, in a sense, the body sleeps a little bit like a seed. Um, think of an acorn. It can grow into a tree. The squirrel hides that, buries it in the ground, hides it, thinking he'll have a future meal. And if he fails to dig it up and eat it, that becomes a tree. That seed, that little acorn, sprouts and becomes a tree. Obviously, it takes years and years. But that reference is also, the analogy is also used to us who die and are planted, so you will, in the ground. At some point, we too will spring new life and new life will spring out just like that little acorn that's been planted by a squirrel in the ground. <coughs> His return is imminent. <coughs> it, uh, it will likely happen soon. It could happen any time. It says, The Lord himself shall descend. And I like the... Uh, description here, and he brings it out in First Corinthians as well. Notice the three sounds that we'll, we will hear—three distinct sounds. He starts off with a shout. I like to think of this as a shout of command. And if you look at the account in in um, John eleven, I'm going to turn to that. There's there's a few references. There's a few things I want to point out. John eleven, when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus after he was given a message and according to his sisters, he came a little late. He was a couple of days late in arriving there. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Lazarus was so sick, he died. And uh, his, his sisters were very sad because they said, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. you got to admire their faith. They thought that was Jesus, you were just a little bit too late, <clears throat> but that was not the case. <clears throat> in in uh, John 11, verse, verse 43, this is Jesus. And when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. This was, I look at this as a shout of command. You notice he also specifically calls Lazarus by name. Maybe a whole bunch of people would have risen from the dead if you wouldn't have been specific, I don't know. But I think there's a reason that he mentioned Lazarus' name and spoke loudly, shouted, a shout of command. <coughs> uh, John five twenty eight says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Um, also had to think of the, the attack in Joshua chapter 6 when Israel attacked uh, Jericho. They were instructed to shout when the priests blow the trumpet, trumpet and the walls fell flat. That's exactly what happened. The, the, trees, the priests were instructed to blow the trumpet and um, then the people were instructed to shout. I'm not sure if they were given a specific line to say, but they were instructed to shout, and at that point, the walls fell flat. I like that picture. A, it's, it's certainly a shout of command, a victory shout. Uh, we're also going to hear the voice of the archangel, and I'm not sure exactly what all this includes, um, Michael is the only archangel that's ever mentioned in scripture by name. But we also have the angels sharing in this victory shout when he returns. <clears throat> the trumpet of God will also sound. Now, in Israel's day, the trumpet was a very commonly used um, way of communicating, I guess you would say. It was used to declare war. It was used to announce special times and seasons or maybe to gather people for a journey. Um, If you'll remember, is it uh, Nehemiah, building of the wall? They were, he was kind of the overseer, and his, the trumpet was his way of shouting or spreading a warning, if you will. They had enemies who were, who were uh, trying to hinder the work, and the trumpet was used to get people's attention and to bring people together. And, Again, a, a beautiful picture of 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 this scene. And uh now here's just a little bit of a thought. I don't have an answer to this, but will everyone hear this these three sounds or just us as believers? I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't quite able to come to any kind of a an answer. Uh, it's likely that maybe this is a mystery that's reserved for us as believers. I'm not sure. But I had to think of that. Is that, uh, will will all people hear that or just those who are saved? Moving on, verse 17 says, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that word is an interesting word, has a lot of uses and a lot of meanings in Scripture. And uh, I want to look at a few of these meanings and then point you to references and see the various ways that this word is used. Think of this in the second coming and being caught up. One meaning is to seize or to carry off by force. Uh, Taken from, there's one, in John 16, you'll find this when the crowd was and I'm not sure if that was after a miracle, but they wanted to take Jesus by force and make him king. That same word is used right there, to take him by force and make him king. Another one is to claim for oneself eagerly, thinking of uh, when the Lord comes to claim the church for his bride, to claim for himself eagerly. Another one is to snatch out or away from danger. Uh Jude verse I don't know it has one chapter verse 23 it it has that thought of of uh others save with fear pulling them out of the fire that word pulling is that same word caught up. And so there's there's quite a few uses and meanings for that word and I can see they would all or could all apply to this context right here in First Thessalonians, uh, caught up for various um, reasons, I guess you might say. Um, you also see God's mercy in this whole thing. Uh, I don't know if this applies, but I did have to think of the account when the angel rescued Lot's family from Sodom or Gomorrah, whichever one it was, the angel dragged him, got him by the hand, and dragged him out of town to safety. Um, I see that scene here as well. That's one of the meetings as well. But I, I guess I I, I, I like those meetings. And then of course, um, there was also one in John twenty twenty, John ten twenty nine. Uh, my Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. This is again the same word that we have here for, well, we call it rapture. Now, the word rapture isn't used in the Bible, but it's it somehow it, that root word comes from that. And so, shall we ever be with the Lord? You know that. The, then we have the the next. Uh, The next uh, section of this, and I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, begin reading verse 1, and I think I'm going to read down to the end of um, 9 or 10. Let's read verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, this is a different thought, a different theme. Notice it makes reference to the day of the Lord, and it addresses them. Notice the pronouns. We in them, them and us, that type of thing. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that are right unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then some destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should take you, overtake you as a thief. <coughs> Ye are all the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of of faith and love, and the foreign helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation." by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. The emphasis focus here being more on the day of the Lord, a time when God will usher in the new kingdom and judge the world. And you can read all about that in Revelations, I think, 6 through 18 or 19. I'm not going to get into that. But it's, we have the picture here Will happen suddenly and surprise many. And again, as I said, um, the world is totally clueless, has no idea what's coming, doesn't know what's going to happen. This will take them completely by surprise. There will be a time of false peace and security. And there's always this push about world peace. You've heard that so many times in the news, world peace, meaning the absence of war. Has that ever happened in our world? Has there never been a war going on somewhere? Apparently, there will come a time when there will be a sense of peace and security. The world will be in darkness because they're living in ignorance to God's plan. And I think, of course, this is Paul's admonition right from the start there in verse 13, chapter 4. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. I don't think there's any reason to be totally obsessed and just completely overtaken by this. But stay with it. Be with it. Be in tune to God's spirit, his word, his direction, and you will see. There will be no escape, it says. And I guess it's a little bit like... (coughs) labor pains, if I may use that term. You know when your due date is, so you have a bit of an idea when to expect it. And at a certain point, there is no escape. You need to go through with it. That's all there is. This will usher in a new kingdom, as it were, the kingdom of heaven. It will not notice, but ye, brethren, and that's us, but ye, brethren, there's a change in thought. There's a different people crowd that he's talking to. It does not need to overtake us like a thief. We have the truth of God's word. We need the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And you can read more about that in detail. Ephesians 5, uh, that describes the whole armor of God. And certainly in light of chapter 4 and an exhortation to holy living, Certainly, we do need the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. But uh, we do have this promise here. We need to watch and be ready. And especially when you think of the, uh, well the, the end of the verses that are read there in chapter 5, we have a promise here that... Um, uh, God hasn't appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I was I was blessed with the devotions. I think Ray left already. Yeah, he had to go home. I was blessed with his uh, his emphasis. How big is God's plan? Really, how big is God's plan? And I think we have just a little bit of a glimpse into even this plan, this part of his plan. And I'm sure it will be way over and above our wildest imagination when it really comes down to it. Nevertheless, still a challenge to watch and be ready. We can receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And again, I want to encourage us, comfort yourselves. We're not here to scare one another. We need to be a comfort during these times. There's enough of scary news out there. You can get that anywhere. And I don't think that's necessary in light of the scripture that we have, the promises in God's word, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We certainly have, uh, as I said, maybe just a glimpse of what is to come, but certainly enough to um, encourage us, motivate us to holy living and to continue on in that way God bless you as we go from here I'd like to again encourage us to think more about this maybe make decisions based on this make purchases based on this and have this more on your mind as we go about our life let's stand for a prayer and after the prayer I'll ask Chad to lead us in a a closing song Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us these truths over time, and you have brought us to this point because of your divine will. Even though in Paul's day they were eagerly anticipating, hoping, and expecting to see your return, it hasn't happened. And even today for us, here we are 2,000 years later, we're still here. We think of and thank you for your mercies and your faithfulness in this way, realizing that it's not your will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So we pray that this would be our goal and our interest. Help us, Father, as we go about our lives, that we could have a constant awareness of your soon return, that this would motivate our decisions, our lifestyle, the things we do, how we relate to one another that we would be mindful of your soon return. We truly believe that your return is imminent, and we pray that you would give us grace to be faithful until such a time as that happens. So we pray your continued blessing as we go from here. May you dismiss us with your spirit. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.